Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So today we're talking about weight and your genes, not as in your blue genes, although sometimes uh, sometimes your weight has an impact on your, at least your fit into your blue genes, at least it does on me. Uh, and um, but really interesting subject as we as we've dived into uh, dived into this, you know, we've talked in the past about how prevalent certainly in the in the U.S. Uh, obesity is and really in the, in the entire industrialized world. I think in the U.S., about 40 percent of the adult population is uh, categorized as obese, which is now and, and that has a specific definition, right? Like obesity. Yeah. 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 So um, that's a BMI of 30 or greater. 25 to 30 is overweight. And then. 30 or greater, um, which is not always the best um, tool to use. It's kind of, it's hard. Um, and for listeners, BMI stands for? Literally just takes into account your weight and your height, and it then becomes your body mass index. But um, there's a lot of other factors that I think, you know, it doesn't take into account muscle composition. Right. So you can, you can have more muscle than the average person and have an a, uh, anomalously high BMI. Yeah, I have a bodybuilder who probably has 6% body fat and his BMI is 31 and he's not obese. So <laughs> it doesn't work for everyone, but it's become the universal kind of determination for, are you at a health weight? So I think it, it probably fits for the majority of, of people, but it's a good, right. It's a kind of a good, you can go online and look at these charts and it's kind of a good yardstick and just know if you, if you are, uh, you know, working out and, and uh, relatively muscular, then it's going to read high. If you're on the other end, if you're, you know, pretty skinny, uh, not skinny, but, but if you're uh, very sedentary, not very muscular, it could read a little low. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've talked in the past about, all of the bad stuff uh, associated with being overweight, type two diabetes, heart disease, stroke, some cancers, all are correlated pretty strongly with with that. Um, yeah, not even just the those bad, you know, kind of potentially fatal um, things, but it's also related to and associated with gallbladder disorder, osteoarthritis, sleep apnea, chronic pain. Um, so it's not even just those the big four, you know, that end up causing the most morbidity and mortality. It's even the kind of other stuff that might not kill you, but it will impact your day to day. Yep. Yep. Um, 
And, and do you see this in, in your practice in terms of, you know, 40% of the people that come into you are, are, are uh, overweight, um, obese, you know, obese at that level. And, and, um, I think it's 20% of kids are as well. Yeah. I, I think it's probably accurate. I, you know, usually I would be like, look at somebody and say, oh yeah, they're probably overweight, but not obese. And then take a quick glance and their BMI is 35. So that kind of tells you how skewed it is too because you see someone and you're like oh they're overweight but they're not as overweight as some people and then you find out actually they're technically by definition obese so it's less common I feel like almost to see someone at a healthy weight these days right well and and I travel a lot I walk through airports all the time and boy you know just a just a visual sampling it is it has to be less than 50% that have quote unquote, a normal weight. Right. And it's hard because there's certainly, I mean, of course, a lot of it's in your control, but you know, and I know that people don't like the excuse of it. It costs more to eat healthier and it doesn't cost more to eat healthier, but it does take more time. And um, yeah, it's not, not an easy thing. I think for, for anyone. I think everyone kind of has to deal with it to some degree, unless you're one of those really lucky people who just has a super fast metabolism. And um, most people have to think about this. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, that's a great lead into our, our topic really is, uh, you know, the extent to which genetics plays a role. And this has been, you know, this isn't a new kind of, um, debate or, or, or question as to the extent to which, you know, nature or nurture, so to speak, um, in this case, you know, your genetics versus your, versus your behavior plays the role or does genetics influence your behavior? Because really that's what we're, we're going to dive into in terms of the studies we're going to look at. Right. Um, but so I think, the answer to the question, is it behavior or is it genetics? The answer, the, the short answer to that question is yes, it's, it, it is both. Right. Definitely. So the study that um, kind of prompted this, uh, this topic is, it was just released in the journal Cell. And it, um, there's, there's two studies. The first one is focused on one specific gene. It's called MC4R. We'll link to the study in our show notes. And it indicates that mutations in that gene can result in either always or almost never feeling satiated depending upon the mutation. This, this was a study. It uh, used data from um, a, it's a United Kingdom biobank, um, includes half a million people. So very broad. Um, and the people are between 40 and 69 years of, of age. And the way they did it was all the participants provided DNA and medical records, and then allowed researchers to track their health. So they then obviously looked at this one particular gene, um, mapped the mutations in that gene that they were seeing within that population. Um, and turns out this gene is the most common single cause of obesity. Now, on, on the one hand, if you have certain mutations, you kind of always feel f- full or on the flip side of that, you never feel hungry. Right. <clears throat> so I know I don't have that gene. <laughs> that I'm never feeling hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I feel hungry qu- quite often. Plenty. 
Yeah. I think I'm probably skewed to the other end because I feel like I can eat a decent amount and not feel like full. <laughs> or really right. as full as I feel like I should feel. Exactly. The, on the other uh, on the other end of it. Well, and and um so there's there's the the and this is uh, you know I I, um, I struggle with some of the bi- cell biology around this but uh, what the what the research indicates is that if you have a gene variant within that gene um, that's biased towards something called B arrestin uh, then B arrestin signaling then it provides you protective effects that is you feel fuller more often right yep yeah. so uh, have you have you heard that term arrestin is that something yeah, you um, in med school? Yeah, but not to any large degree, but it's it's one of the um, kind of different proteins. And I think that one might even be, yeah, it's involved in a lot of metabolic pathways, um, but it's interesting to see it here, how this particular, the variants can either help you or hurt you so you can have normal you can be normal with your variants of the mc4r or you can have a mutation where it's beneficial to you or you can have a mutation where it's harmful so not all quote-unquote mutations or variants of a a gene or deviations from normal are bad sometimes you have one that right helps you yeah yeah now you know the so obviously you know people can run out and have their have their genetic profiling done or, or what have you. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about my, my uh, in your 23andMe re- report and what that, that indicated, although they don't single out the MC4R gene and that is, you'd have to be involved probably in a, in a research study to, to really get Or you can search, that. I'm sure you, um, you can search your raw data. Oh yeah. 23andMe and you just have to find the exact um, SNPs, they call it, to look up but i'm sure and so for this there's a ton of different you know slight variations that they look at but you could probably find some of them and search your raw data um just to see and and for the individual person that's interesting to know um but on the larger scale it's kind of like well can't do anything about that um except maybe tell yourself you should feel full and (laughs) <laughs> maybe not eat as much or just but know, it's, good, what, it's good to know that hey this is you know this is a challenge i have I mean, yeah um we, we all have we all have challenges actually so uh, uh, but i'm sure the idea here then become the next step is then a pharmaceutical way to help you feel full especially if you don't so like all the obesity drugs and weight loss drugs target something and a lot of people like certain ones because they just make you not feel hungry and there's plenty of people out there and I, me included even if I don't feel hungry and it's like you know been a couple hours since I ate I'll eat or if I'm not starving but it's dinner time I'm gonna eat dinner no matter you know yep, what it's for like, the most part it's but a there's habit. a lot of people who don't don't do that um if they're not hungry they just won't eat um and if that's the case then you know a medication that can help target this type of um, gene to help pe- people feel full is an ideal medication. So yeah, I want to say I I read something around that and and there was some and I don't know if it's specific to the MC4R gene and its, its expression, um, but the problem they were running into is the side effects were mm-hmm. too 
deleterious and yeah. to to really be able to go to market with it right i'm sure i'm sure there's constant i mean that's the holy grail that and i think alzheimer's like we talked about before finding the drug to cure obesity that, you know, that would be a blockbuster it's the next billion dollar mm-hmm. multi-billion dollar so but the, the bottom line though is for most people, for almost everyone, no single gene is causing a greater susceptibility to to obesity. So in that same journal, there was another study that um, used data from the same, uh, that same UK biobank, so half a million people to develop a polygenic. So we're talking all kinds of genes, risk score for obesity, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because you can see this now, and we've, talked a little bit about kind of the next generation of medical care and wrapping in your genetic profile as a to to inform treatment modes so right. so they can they they're just at the beginning stages because obviously this was just published this month i want to say uh, in able in, in their ability to develop what they call a, a gps a genome-wide polygenic score for obesity mm-hmm. and and what they what they did is they uh, obviously it takes a lot of computing power to do this um, they studied the effect of over two million genetic variations on body mass index and kind of isolated the ones that were correlated to higher or lower bmi and they actually were able to estimate the heritability of your BMI mm-hmm. at just below 25%. Yep. So, so for any indiv- particular individual, about a quarter of the determinant of whether you're likely to be over, under, or average weight is your genes. Right. I find that fascinating. Yeah, and it's probably something a lot of people don't realize. And then where that can become helpful is maybe in the future when it's easy to determine what those genes for you are, then even if you take out medications from the equation, at least trying to optimize a plan to improve it. If you know you're someone who doesn't feel full, well, then you know that you need to work on portion control and, you know, it can, it can at least help tailor because everyone's different. No, you know, that's why for some people a certain you know, diet or lifestyle works well, but for the next person, it, you know, they don't lose any weight. One person can lose 10 pounds and the next person can lose nothing doing very similar things. So. Yep. Right. Right. Because it's both kind of, you know, there's genetic factors that cause you to eat more. Like we talked about this MC4 hour gene cause you to be either feel Mm -hmm. full or, or, or always not feel full, but then there's other genes that cause you to ratchet up the metabolism. So the burn rate, as opposed to the fuel intake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What was interesting is so to, to, to to look at these correlations. So uh, somewhere over 43% of those within the 90th percentile genetic risk. So they're the the top 10% uh, uh, of those who are at risk for, genetic risk for obesity were in fact obese so you know yeah still less less than 50 percent were obese but still 83 percent were overweight so yeah uh, but still if you if you're that still says that 
boy, even if you're in that really outlier 10% range where your genes are just aligned against you, 17% of those folks were either normal or, or below normal weight. So it's not, exactly. it's yep. not deterministic. It is not. And you can see that just a clear example of that. If you do something like your 23 and me, um, and it will tell you, you know, just interesting little things like what you're, are you predisposed to blank? Or I think one of the new ones that just notified me that they have is, um, uh, increased likelihood for dandruff. And I was at <laughs> increased risk for dandruff, but there's a bunch on there that I like for traits, um, says I'm less likely to have thick hair and I probably have the thickest hair out of anybody that I know. And then less likely to have curly hair. And I have curly extremely hair. curly hair. Yeah. Um, did so they get, the, did they get the right sample? Is that, are they, <laughs> I know. Right. Well, likely no red hair, likely lighter hair, um, likely bitten more often by mosquitoes. I'm just glancing through it right now. Um, but it's interesting because some of them are true. Um, but some of them where I'm very clearly on the complete other end of the, um, spectrum, like, so even a cilantro taste aversion. So I know people, there are people, if you have a certain gene, um, you taste soap, like a soapy taste when you eat cilantro. Um, I have a slightly higher, I do not taste soap when I eat, um, when I eat cilantro. So that just tells all those different things kind of tell you that you might have increased risk because of certain genes, but everything seems to be a polygenic and, you know, there's lots of other influences than just one gene causing something. Exactly. And we should say we, we, uh, we, we, we are not sponsored by 23andMe, even though we're, we're, we are. Yeah. Send your, if you want your DNA, (laughs) you know, looked at, send it anywhere you want. 23andMe um, was having a uh, um, Black Friday sale. So that's where my 23andMe choice Same came from. Bro. So you'll get all, but then you take your raw data and you're able to search your raw data and you can send your raw data um, to these other um, places and get more information. But yeah, we aren't, aren't sponsored. That we, are, we, we will, uh, I will put a link in there though, to Dr. Rhonda Patrick's site that, that will do an analysis of your raw data. Um, and, and it's a, it, it, they, while they kind of suggest a donation, um, they'll do it for free for you. So, yeah. And it's a lot of great data that she's, um, because if, I mean, there's, there's millions of genes you can look at and if you just get all your raw data, you wouldn't even know where to start. And, um, hers are nice because she'll take the most pertinent and relevant and potentially modifiable, um, ones for, you know, health longevity. And, um, there even are some in there, I think associated with obesity uh, and, explain it and even give you some tips on what you can do based on your genes. So it's really, that's a great um, report to get if you have your genetic. Yeah. You've got to get your genetic information at the start. And, and I don't know, I mean, uh, what the alternatives are to 23andMe necessarily, but there must be ones out there. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, it, so, but to stay on this 23andMe uh, topic, in, in, in terms of mine, my genes predispose me, it says, at least in my report, it pre- they predispose me to weigh 4% more than average for my age, gender, and my Northern European ethnicity. 
So, mm -hmm. and, and that's more than average. So it's not more than ideal. So, so average for my age, gender, and ethnicity is 202 pounds, which is overweight to begin with. So right. my, my genetic weight is about 210 pounds. Yep. Yep. My, mine is, I got the same. I think I'm, I'm 3% genetically predisposed to weigh 3% more. More than average. Um, yep. That's, that's, that's amazing. It's it, so, it, and it goes on to provide more detail. Like I have 360 variants that predispose me to lower weight, fortunately, right. 356 that predispose me to greater weight. So they're looking at a pretty broad set. And, right. and again, they, they've got, you know, who knows, million plus people who've gone, you know, had their, had their profiling. Done. Oh yeah. So, they've got a good database. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I found fascinating is not just, you know, okay, what, what my predisposition is, but then they can, um, what, and I'll get this from, from 23andMe sometimes. They'll say, hey, do you want to participate in additional research? Answer these 10 or 20 questions mm -hmm. on, your, on your behavior because they're, they're able then to say, okay, what behaviors um, express certain genes? And we, we've talked, we just scratched the surface on this and it's a very complex topic, but there's, there's, you know, in terms of how your genes influence your, you know, everything, you know, what, what the, the, the mm -hmm. way you, your health, your, your cognition, everything, there's both the genes you get and how they're expressed. Right. And your environment or your behavior can change the, the expression of those genes. Yep. In fact, we talked about that. That's nature and nurture. Exactly. Well, when we talked about that on the last episode on, on terms of sleep, that, that sleep, you know, sleeping better or sleeping worse will actually change how your genes are, are being expressed. Right. Yep. So with, the, with me, the, uh, it, the, the data indicates people with my genetics, the most important habits for weight control are a avoiding fast food. You'd be like, Oh, that's, you know, a no brainer. Um, but it's associated. If I can avoid weighing fast food, it's, it's associated with me weighing up to 17.2% less. So almost 20% less than the average male, which is actually kind of close to what, I weigh and I do avoid fast food. Right. Yeah. And, and then exercise is associated with weighing up to 15.7% less, limiting red meat, 15.2% uh, less, and eating more vegetables, which I'm probably it's the least <laughs> adherent to, is uh, I, it has a 12.5% less impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. That's interesting how it can be broken down. Yeah, well, I think it's helpful to, okay, because like sleep, there's, I think we identified maybe uh, 10 or a dozen different factors that can help you sleep better. So there's you know, at least a dozen factors that, that can help you maintain your right. weight. Oh, yeah. Yep. But for each individual, doing one or another can have more or less impact. So someone could be great at eating lots of vegetables but not so great about at avoiding fast food. Yep. And if that fast food impact is, is by orders of magnitude greater than the eating vegetables impact, then 
that's going to be an issue. Yeah. You, I also, you probably don't eat a lot of vegetables if you're eating a lot of fast food, if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> there is but like there, the red meat one is interesting. That will t- kind yeah. of, you know, limiting red meat. So this is information that would be good for that, you know, for each individual person, because then you know what, what the impact is for you. And yep. you're able, you can kind of tweak things. So, I mean, fast food is bad for everybody. Um, but red meat, and a lot of people like red meat. So knowing if it, how much it affects you, you know, you well, would be it, someone who. Exactly. Because that, that ultimately, for me at least, and, and I think for most people, maybe, maybe not. Uh, the first thing I, I need to do is understand the, the, the factors that that are making me healthier or not and then i can take action on on that understanding but i think part of the problem for me and i think for most people is there's so much information out there you know uh, right go go low carb go low fat go you know red meat is okay for you as long as it's organic or you know grain not or or um what do you want to say uh grass grass fed yeah yeah, all, all that stuff. But for that, just just seeing this has will definitely make an impact on my behavior. I'll eat less red meat, and I know I will. Yeah. So, so bottom line, what what are our what's our prescription for um, for controlling your weight? Pretty pretty straightforward, right? It is. It's very straightforward. Um, so I, I tell people all the time, everyone underestimates how many calories you take in because no one's measuring and weighing. Um, and to some degree, you know, it's not, it's definitely not just about calories. It's about the type of calories. But at the end of the day, if you have no control and no like grasp on, you know, your caloric intake and you're just way overshooting it, then it does come down to too many calories. So it's, taking in the appropriate amount of calories and the right type of calories. Um, and I think portion control is where uh, most people struggle yeah. with because we yeah. just, portions are bigger and a lot of foods today are calorically dense and you just don't realize how quickly your daily recommendation of calories adds up. And then some calories are, you know, going to be worse for you and contribute more to, you know, holding on to fat than others. So taking the right kind of calories, but then also staying, um, staying active and not kind of living a sedentary lifestyle. Um, I tell people most of the time, um, the gym and exercise is not gonna be what takes numbers off the scale, unless you are dedicating three hours a day, because you can work out real hard, for 30 minutes and that's all a lot of people have is 30 minutes four days a week um but you're gonna burn the equivalent of you know a bag of chips or a handful of nuts um so exercise first for your cardiovascular health and then second for you know weight control and that sort of thing but diet is where i think the the bigger impact comes in and then all the other things like sleep we talked about before um, and the timing that you eat, trying to eat more earlier in the day, all those kind of things. Yeah. I think one of the, the thing you said at the beginning, I think is, is really true. I've, I found it to be the case when I, you know, maybe 10 years ago when I 
um, wanted to lose weight, I did a, a, a journal, uh, one of these online, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, food journal type of things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that that not only can chart your calories, but also then the you know, the macros of it. How much is carbs, fats versus proteins type of thing. Right. And it's you know it it's it's a truism in in, in life in anything certainly in business where you you've got to measure it first. And yep. because exactly what you said is you if if you're just going along and you're eating what you're eating you think you might be taking in 2000 calories a day mm-hmm. uh, and lo and behold, it's 2,500 to 3000 calories exactly. when, you, when you actually yeah. add it up. It's, it's actually um, really uh, so illuminating that I think as tedious as it can be, although it's less tedious with these apps now, and this is yep. you know, so 10, 10 years later, I, I think actually 10 years ago, I'm not sure we, I, I know I didn't have it. I don't think I had an app, some sort <laughs> of computer not. program, something, but uh, as it, 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 so it's less tedious, but do it for a week and yep. you know, it's, it, 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 it will be time well spent and it'll pay dividends for, for a long time afterwards. So, yeah. Great. Agreed. Well, thanks. Um, this was uh, hopefully at a, an interesting co- conversation. We'll certainly have some follow-ups on, on various components of this, but uh but but definitely genetics plays a role in our in our weight control, but it doesn't play um, the deciding factor. I think is the bottom line. So. Yep, I would agree. Great. Well, have a great day, Nicole. Great chatting with you. Look forward to uh, our next uh, health guest. Yes, sounds good. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com, that's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.